first, if I get if I forget, I'll tell the story. And if I forget any details, you you after I forget the No, details. then it's just gonna be you. First, Gabriel the angel told Mary that she was going to have a baby. And then after that, Joseph Jophis got um, saw, saw the angel in a dream. And then and then they um, the tax collector collector told told, told, all, told the all the all the people that they had No, that's that. in the end. No, because first they do that and that and that. Okay, let's just start over. Okay, so Ready. first, first they um, first Mary, the angel Gabriel, told Mary that she was going to have a baby, and then, and then, and then, then an angel came to Joseph. Jopas in a dream. And then the tax collector told, told no, all not the people. No, not the people. They didn't get a sign. No, it is that. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. Yes. My, my, whenever me and my mommy and daddy. Okay, let's just tell it. First. Angel came to Mary and said she was going to have and a baby. She, and he said she was going to have a baby. And then, and then an angel came to Joseph in a dream and said that Mary was going to have a baby and he was going to marry her. And then, and then the tax collector said that you have to go to your hometown. And then the three wise men. No, no, and then the donkey. Then the donkey. And then, and then they rode on the donkey. And then they rode onto the donkey to Bethlehem. And then. And then so, and then they found the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. And then, and then an angel came to the what? To the um, shepherds and said that they were that that they the savior the... was born. So the so the shepherds came came to to baby Jesus. Then the wise men men saw the star in the sky. And they followed the star to the um, to, to to the stable. I mean, or Bethlehem, whatever. And then, they, when the shepherds came home, they told everyone that the Savior was born. Okay, done. Merry Christmas! I love you. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Feliz Navidad. Merry Christmas, everybody. I want to say Merry Christmas to those of you who are outside of this auditorium. I know uh, here in the Long Point 
campus, you are at every place there's a television set or a video screen. And uh, those of you in Studio B, we love you. We're glad you're here. And uh, please come back. And uh, uh, welcome all the campuses too, especially those of you who are in McClellanville, uh, which isn't even a campus yet, but I got a picture that the place is full. And uh, so we're glad that you guys are there too. Um, you like the video? Is that fun? Okay, so, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. Those are uh, my two oldest grandkids and their cousins. And I asked them if they would help me to do the message, you know, for Christmas Eve. And we just said, we want you to tell the Christmas story. Do it in your own way. And if you get stuck, kind of help each other. And when I saw that the first time, I thought, that's not just the Christmas story. That's a microcosm of male-female relationships. <laughs> and I wanted to say to Miles, Miles, women are going to frustrate you all your life. Get used to it. And I wanted to say to Addison, Addison, guys are going to want to lead just because they're guys, you know. You just got to plow through, which I think she did okay. <laughs> Jophis. <laughs> oh, I love it, I love it, I love it. Well, listen, um, l- let me tell you why we're doing what we're doing uh, this Christmas Eve. Now, we're calling it pause. Where did the idea come from? Um, have you seen some of the viral videos uh, that have come through this Christmas? I mean, there's been some great ones of, you know, uh, acapella groups singing and various things. And a couple of months ago, my wife uh, said, have you seen this video? She said, I think it might help you maybe with some ideas uh, on your Christmas Eve service. And I saw it and I loved it. And so I want to show it, show it to you. My mama told me something when I was growing up that has forever changed my life. She played the piano at our little church at 3rd and Pine Street for 37 years. She tried to teach me to play the piano, (laughs) but I wasn't very good. She would teach me the names of the notes, what a major key is, what a minor key is. She tried to teach me musical theory, but I was just bored. Then, one day... She told me that the best news in the world is found by playing a simple scale on the piano. I had no idea what she meant, so she told me to play an eight-note scale. So I did. I said, how is that good news? And she said I played it incorrectly and that I needed to play it the other way. So I did. Again, I said, how is that good news? And she said, I played it the right way, but I needed to add the pauses. The pauses? She said, the pauses. Add them on the first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. Now, I was frustrated and said, how can eight notes with random pauses be the best news in the world? Then I got up, walked away, and went outside. Frankly, I didn't care what she was talking about. I didn't like playing the piano anyway. Well, years later, my mama got sick and passed away. As I was thinking about her, I remembered what she told me about the piano. Not only that, I still remember the notes she told me to pause 
the first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. So I sat down at her piano and played the scale with the pauses. she was talking about. Isn't that good? So I know, so I know some of the skeptics among us are saying, that didn't happen. Probably not, but it's a good video anyway, isn't it? The good news is in the pause. Have you ever been, have you ever been happy that you took time to pause? I mean, maybe it went like this. Maybe you were at a family gathering, you know, and you had a meal together or you went to a restaurant or maybe even to a Christmas Eve service. It's been a long night. You're tired. You're ready to go home and somebody pops a camera out and says, oh, we can't go. We can't go yet. We've got to get everybody together for a picture. You're like, I don't want to do a picture. Come on. But you, you know, you get it together. You get in line and you take the picture and lo and behold, two months later, you remember that that's the last picture before you know, mom went to heaven. I mean, I had one of those, 1991. And I'm thankful for the pause. Or, or, or maybe uh, it's, it's the other uh, side of the equation. Have, have you ever uh, in your life made a, um, a mistake because you didn't pause? There was a stop sign. And you thought you came to a complete stop. But you kind of rolled through the stop sign and there was a policeman over here to let you know that you didn't quite make it. You thought, man, I wish I would have paused. Or m- maybe it was, you wish you would have paused before you said something or did something that uh, you uh, were ashamed of later. Pauses are important. There's good news in the pause. Now, let me, let me take you further into how this message came, came about. Debbie and I were out of town a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, and uh, so we were doing some shopping, and, uh, which is not one of my favorite things anyway, but I love my wife. How many of you know that? And so we were, at a, uh, we were at a Belks in the women's shoe department, okay? And we'd been there for a significant amount of time. And so I thought in order to kind of redeem the time, I'm sitting on a chair, I thought I'm going to read the Christmas story on my iPhone just to kind of think about it and process a little bit, thinking about the Christmas Eve message. And as I read it, I saw something that I hadn't seen before. And that's this. The three main characters in the Christmas story all had a significant pause, each for a different purpose, but there was a redemptive value in each of their pauses. So let's take a look at it. For the, the first one is Mary. And I'm going to be looking at the Christmas story from Matthew chapter 1. The first one is Mary. Mary paused in order to reflect. Mary paused in order to reflect on the good news that God had given her. In fact, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18 um, carries uh, the story. And what I'd like us to do is I'd like us to read it out loud. Here and in all the venues here at uh, Long Point, also at the campuses, if you guys could read out loud together. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18 says this. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, 
While she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, the angel of the Lord came to Mary and said, I've got good news for you. You are going to be pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. She's 16 years old, approximately that. She doesn't know what to do with this. So immediately, she takes a journey to see her cousin, Elizabeth, who the angel had told her that Elizabeth was also pregnant, and Elizabeth was like 60 years old. It was going to be a miracle also, but a different kind of miracle because she was too old to have kids. And so she went to visit her cousin. Now, it wasn't like her cousin lived next door. Her cousin lived about 90 miles away, about the distance from here to Columbia, through hilly, rocky, dangerous territory. would take four or five days to get there. So apparently, Mary kind of tagged on with a caravan and went to see Elizabeth. Uh, When she got to Elizabeth's house, Elizabeth greeted her right away with this greeting. She said, you are blessed above all women. And the child within you is blessed. To which Mary responds with a song, a spontaneous song. Just imagine the, the, the situation. Comes to the door, Elizabeth, you are blessed. And Mary begins to sing. What we call now the Magnificat, okay? Beautiful piece of music. Bach has written a version of it. Others have also. She begins to sing and and she says, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy and he has done great things for me. Now, as I was reading this, in the women's shoe department at Belk's. I thought, when did that song come to her? I mean, it's possible that just, and that's just a little piece of it, just spontaneously, uh, by, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, she begins to sing this beautiful song that's gonna be uh, sung and resung and covered down through the years. Or is it possible that on that four or five day journey, it's a timeout for her? It's a pause where over and over and over again she reflects on the goodness of God. God has done this wonderful thing. And out of the overflow of that comes this song. So how often do we do that? How often do we pause and reflect? Our lives are so busy, there's very little time for pause. I was in Starbucks earlier this week, which is a habit. But um, long line, and I'm in a hurry. Okay, that's typical. And, you know, we finally get up to the front, and I go to pay my bill, and the cash register is doing one of these, like, never-ending updates. So everybody's kind of waiting and waiting and waiting. It's kind of like if you have Apple products, when you see the beach ball of death that just kind of goes on and on and on, and you go, have you ever been in a hurry when everybody else wasn't? Have you ever been there? And that's kind of how, except for at Starbucks, everybody behind me was in a hurry too, which put a lot of pressure on the barista because they didn't know what was going on. And the barista, she's a wonderful girl. I really like her. She is so positive. Every day when I go there, she's so positive. And so she takes a breath and she says, you know, the cash register is refreshing. We should all do that. Let's use this time just to talk to one another and refresh our relationships. 
I said, I, I thought that sounds like forced fellowship at church that we do, you know. Hey, before you sit down, uh, shake hands with the person next to you. You don't want to talk to, you've never met in your life. Tell them your most intimate secret, and then we're going to have church together, you know. Refresh, refresh. Use the pauses to reflect and to refresh. I thought of the Hebrew word selah, S-E-L-A-H. It's used 74 times in the Old Testament. 71 of them are in the book of Psalms. And the book of Psalms is basically a collection of songs, many of them to be sung. And some of them will have a stanza or, you know, three or four verses together, which might be a verse of a song. And then they'll have a one-word kind of pause that says selah, which means stop and think about that. Stop and think about what you just sung. You just sung about the the majesty of God, how good God is. Stop and think about that. And uh, another definition of Selah is the pause that refreshes. That's what a pause does. Especially uh, when, when, well, there's several times that we probably need to uh, uh, pause and and reflect. One is when, when, like Mary, we sense the blessing of God in our lives. Oftentimes, we just blow through that. It would be good if we just paused. Said, thank you, God. Count your blessings. Count them one by one. Or maybe you should pause when you feel like life is moving too fast. It's counterintuitive, but it will do you good. Pause and reflect. Or maybe when you're, you're tempted to be frustrated by the pace that something's going. Maybe it would be good to pause Refresh and reflect. And I think we ought to build those into our lives daily and weekly, weekly. It's called a Sabbath. We build it into our church. Our services, if you come to Seacoast very often, you know that about the last 10 minutes of the service is a response time. Our services aren't over when we say amen. In fact, that's usually when it just kind of gets started because God begins to work in each one of our lives. The service really isn't over until until the benediction, or actually until we do what God's called us to do in the world. But, you know, um, at, at the, at the re- response time, we say, what is God saying to me, and how am I going to respond to him? What am I going to do? Let me give you an idea for today's response time. In fact, take your outline sheet out. Will you do that? Just take that outline sheet out. If you've got a pen or a pencil, just jot three things down. Actually, just three numbers. One, two, three. Just make a list. One, two, three. We'll come back to it later. What I'd like you to do is I'd like you during the response time to maybe think about how can I pause to reflect on the goodness of God? We'll fill those in later, okay? So Mary paused to reflect. Second character is Joseph, or in my granddaughter's uh, words, Jophus, Jophus. Joseph paused not to reflect, but to regroup, to regroup. You know, how many of you would agree with me that sometimes good news doesn't sound good at first? Do you agree with that? So Mary has good news. Somehow, when she or somebody else relays her good news to Joseph, it doesn't sound like good news to him. Okay? She's pregnant. This is good news for her. Not so much for him. He knows he hasn't been with her. So he knows somebody must have. So imagine the feelings of anger and, <clears throat> and anguish and rejection. Those are, those are the feelings that Joseph has. And so 
And, and, and so, um, and, and so he's got to, he's got to think about it. He's got to, what, what am I going to, what am I going to do? Have you ever had news that didn't sound like good news? Maybe it was from the doctor. You know, we, we were hoping that the test would come back a little bit better than this. Or maybe it was from the fertility clinic. We were really hoping that this time it would take. Or maybe it's from your boss. You know, it's not about you, but we, we've got to cut back here. You go on and on and on and on. News that takes your breath, it shocks your system. Everything in you wants to react. The first thing you want to do is you want to hang not the good news sign, but the bad news sign on the door. This cannot be good news. This is bad news. Bad news. That's what happened to Joseph. Mary has news. It's not good news to him. It's a shock. Look at the next verse. Joseph, her fiance, was a good man. Did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this. That's the pause. As he considered this, the pause, stop, consider, think about. As he considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. See, Joseph was saved by the pause. He paused so he wouldn't do something that he would regret later. He was a good man. And it allowed him to regroup. Have you ever done something or said something in the heat of the moment that you should have paused on and you regretted later? You said something and did something to someone that you loved. You were angry, you were hurt, you were embarrassed, and you reacted. Proverbs 13 and verse 16 says, wise people think before they act. Fools don't. And even brag about their foolishness. And maybe you didn't brag about your foolishness, but you weren't wise. Joseph was wise. He paused. And here's what happened. Look at this. Look at this. Joseph paused. What what am I going to do? I'm going to divorce her. I'll do it quietly. Let me think this through. And in the pause, when he made space, here's what happened. God showed up in the space. God showed up. The angel of the Lord came when he paused to consider. I wonder if he wouldn't have paused. What would have happened? I don't know. But when you have news that doesn't feel like good news, if you'll pause before you react, God will often show up in the pause. I remember a few years ago, I had a dream, big dream. Thought it was a great dream. Thought it was going to help a lot of people. And, uh, and, and the doors closed on the dream. And everything in me wanted to cry out, this isn't fair, this isn't right. I know this is God. This isn't good. I didn't know what to do. I, pa- I paused. And in the pause, I got a revelation from God that's helped me to live the rest of my life. It's a simple revelation. If you've been here at Seacoast, you've heard me talk about it. But it's this. God is omniscient. Now, you should have learned that in theology school, right? Well, it's real hard to surprise an omniscient God. That's the the revelation. God has never had a day where he said, I never saw that coming, okay? Even though you didn't see it coming, he saw it coming. And if he saw it coming, then he's at work on a solution before you even knew there was a problem. Boy, when that dropped down into here, 
it changed my perspective on everything. See? The pause allowed me time to regroup. Maybe there's a better explanation. Maybe there's another viewpoint. Maybe this isn't such bad news. Maybe God is working this out for my good according to Romans 8, 28. So here's what the angel said. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. There's an explanation. And she will have a son. And you're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Here's what the pause did. And this is what the pause does in our lives. It brought perspective. There's there's another way of seeing this. There's a perspective that's good. You know, there may be something in your life right now that feels like bad news. It it it, It doesn't go down right. You may be struggling with it right now. Maybe the first thing that you want to do is take d- down the bad news sign. So you, you, you quickly said, that's bad news. Maybe the first thing is just to take the sign down. One of the things I've learned over the years is that it, it, uh, it's real hard to tell whether something is good news or bad news unless you are omniscient. Have you ever, uh, have you ever thought something was really, really good and it turned out to be not so good? Anybody have testimonies on that? Or maybe vice versa. And so maybe the first thing you do is just take the sign down. Take the sign down. You need to pause to regroup. Maybe that's going to happen in this service. That's one of the things I love about Christmas Eve service. I mean, outside, chaos is happening right now. I was over in the shopping center next to us on the way I drove through to try to get something to drink. And I thought, no way. That's taking your life into your hands. Chaos is breaking out everywhere. But in this service, it's quiet. Pausing. Pausing long enough to hear God say, I love you. I've got this one. I will come into your circumstance. If you'll allow me room, if you'll make space, then I'll bring my grace into your life. Give you a new perspective. Maybe over time, you can go ahead and put the good news sign back up on the door. Okay? So Mary paused to reflect. Joseph paused to regroup. The third character in the story is Jesus. And Jesus paused to relate. Paused to relate. Now, now what, do, what do I mean by that? You know, there uh, are some people, and, and there are probably some who are among us here, who have a hard time relating to God because you feel like God doesn't relate to you. I mean, how, how can God relate to what I do? I mean, God's never balanced a checkbook. Some of you have never balanced a checkbook. Some of you don't even know what a checkbook is. God's never balanced a pay. He's never made a payroll in a tough economy. God's never walked the floors of a home with a sick baby in the wee hours of the morning wondering, what can I do? God's never lost a friend. God's never experienced divorce. How can God relate to me? I mean, if there is a God, he's doing whatever he does in the cosmos, you know, keeping things going or whatever, but he sure can't relate to me. Next verse, Matthew one twenty-two. All of this occurred 
to fulfill the Lord's message. Now, just let's, let's pause right there. All of this occurred. What's all of this? It's the Mary with the angel. It's Joseph with an angel. It's going to Bethlehem. It's the shepherds. It's the wise men. It's the whole Christmas story. It's the baby that's born. He says, all of this occurred for one purpose. Let's see what it is. To fulfill the the Lord's message through his prophet, and he's talking about Isaiah, who said, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. This whole story came down to one thing. A baby's going to be born, and they're going to call him Emmanuel. You said, well, I think they called him Jesus. Did somebody miss the message? No, they named him Jesus, but he was called Emmanuel. It's just like me. My name is Greg, but at home they call me Exalted One. (laughs) Well, not so much. My daughter's just looking at me going, no, I don't think so. No, they called him Jesus. They called him Mighty God. They called him Prince of Peace. They called him Emmanuel, which means God with us came as a baby. Why did he come as a baby? Nobody's afraid of a baby. Nobody. Here's what he did. Jesus, who is God, who is eternal and everlasting, who is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega, who lives out time of, outside of time and space, who always has been and always will be. And you say, well, I don't understand that. Neither do I. I just know it's true. I'm finite. I think my days are numbered. His art, he's forever. And here's what he did. He pushed the pause button for 33 years. Why did he do that? So he could relate. Emmanuel, God with us. A friend, his name's Derek, Derek Snook, and his story was in the Charleston uh, City paper just a couple of weeks ago. Grew up in Charleston, Went to Furman, got a great education, played basketball, set up to succeed. Uh, part of his tuition, just a real small part of his tuition, was paid by a Seacoast Scholarship. We have uh, people, generous people here in the church who have uh, endowed a scholarship. And so uh, every year uh, students apply, and uh, they choose about nine or ten of them each year. Uh, and one of the things that the kids have to do is uh, write a letter to the scholarship uh, team and also to me uh, every semester to kind of say this is what's going on in my life this is what's happening this is what I'm learning whatever and uh, Derek would write and Derek Derek was uh, he, he was a uh, great guy and just um, just a serious thinker a deep thinker he would write and tell me about his desire to make a difference everybody wants to make a difference I could tell this this, this guy just saw things at a, a little bit deeper level. He studied history, and he saw in history, and in church history and just in world history, that oftentimes there was a disconnect between those who wanted to make a difference, those who wanted to help. There was a disconnect in those that wanted to help and those that were to be helped. In fact, oftentimes the help or the charity or whatever it happened to be did more harm than good. Sometimes that would show up right away and sometimes that would show up over generations. Decisions made that they thought were good and would help were actually unhelpful. 
And uh, he, he said, I, I realize that it's so difficult to explain Christ to people without doing all we can to walk in their shoes. And so he graduated from college. He went on a mission trip for a few months with one of our uh, partners in Africa. And then he decided to go live in a homeless shelter for a year after graduation. I'm sure mom was thrilled with that. Paid good money for your education and you're going to go live in a homeless shelter. That's great. But he did. And he, he lived where the homeless lived. He slept where the homeless slept. He ate what the homeless ate. And he worked in day labor jobs, just like they did. And so after a year of that, he decided, I'm going to start a nonprofit, a day labor company to address holistically some of the issues that the homeless face. And so he tied work and bonuses to sobriety and productivity, and, and he paid them in ways that um, made it difficult for them to continue the downward spiral. And and uh, he paid himself the same wage as everybody else, minimum wage, to see if you can live on that. Currently, he employs 60 men. He has a vision to do it everywhere, and he still lives among the men that he employs. And here's what he learned. Before he could help, he had to relate. Before he could understand and help, he had to relate. And so he took a year of his life, and he paused to relate. You know where I'm going with that. Jesus paused 33 years in order to relate. He, during those 33 years, he experienced all the joys of friendship and the anguish of betrayal. He, he experienced the awe of seeing a baby born, the devastation of losing a friend too soon because he understood that before he could help, he had to relate. He's been where you've been. He's walked where you've walked. In fact, that's why the writer of the Hebrews says this. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings that we do, and yet he did not sin. Now, if that scripture ended there, I would be hopeless. I would feel guilty because it says he came, he lived, he went through the same things we did, only he didn't sin. That's true. But it goes on and tells you the reason for that and the purpose for that. The next part of the verse says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. It doesn't say, let's come boldly to the throne of our judging God. God is judge. It doesn't say, let us come boldly to the throne of our perfect God. God is perfect. That's not the whole point of the thing. He's gracious. He's been where you've been. He understands. And when you blow it, he doesn't try to rub it in. He rubs it out. We can come boldly to his throne for grace. We will receive mercy and find grace to help us when we need it most. I don't know about you, but I need God's grace. I think everybody in here needs God's grace. Some of us need God's saving grace. Received a book this week from a friend of mine who pastors an Orthodox church here in town. And uh, the book is On the Incarnation. It's by a saint from about the third century. And uh, 
When he gave it to me, he said, did you notice the picture on the front of it? I said, yeah. He said, what's it got on it? I said, Mary and the baby and a stable and some animals. So what's the baby wearing? I said, well, he's wrapped in swat. Well, it's not really swaddling clothes. It looks like grave clothes. He said, it is grave clothes. It's the purpose of the picture. Jesus came in Bethlehem to die for your sin and for my sin. Bethlehem is attached to Good Friday. It's all a part of the same story. The little baby grew up and became a man who boldly said, I will die so you don't have to. I'll die so that you can have eternal life. I'll live a perfect life so that those of you who are imperfect can exchange your record for my record and have eternal life. I need God's grace. You need God's saving grace. It's the most important thing you could do this Christmas Eve is to acknowledge, yes, I'm a sinner. There's no doubt about that. But to go further than that and say, I come boldly to the throne of a gracious God and throw my future upon him. Some of us need sustaining grace. You're worn out. This season has been challenging. Not just the Christmas season. This year has been challenging. You've, you've had some news that doesn't sound like good news. And maybe you've had it several times. I want to challenge you to pause during our response time. I'll give you some instruction on that. Your campus pastor will also. And just to regroup and maybe get some perspective. And some of us need God's empowering grace. We're in a new season or facing a new challenge. We're kind of excited about it, but we feel like we're in over our head. You need God's grace. During our response time, come to the, boldly to the throne of a gracious God and receive his grace. Let's pause. Let's pause to reflect, pause to regroup, and pause to relate to a God who loves us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for the story that relates so much to us today from 2,000 years ago. God, I pray that you would take the next few moments and just really open up your, your heart, your love, your way to us as we open our hearts and our way to you. Pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.